Our scripture reading this morning is taken from Psalm 1, a very popular psalm, very beautiful psalm. And uh, this is the psalm. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. God bless his word. Good morning, everyone. I'm Charles McKnight, pastoral assistant here at Christ Central Church. And uh, as Mike mentioned earlier, and as you probably noticed in your liturgy, there is a theme. Our confession was from the book of Psalms. Our assurance of pardon was from the book of Psalms. Our declaration was from the book of Psalms. And guess what? I am preaching this morning from the book of Psalms. And all of that is intentional because over the next five weeks, while Pastor Howard is on his annual summer sabbatical, we will be taking a little hike through the book of Psalms. Uh, We're going to have a few interns, and we're also going to have a couple of area pastors that are going to come in, and we've asked all of them to select a different psalm to preach. We also hope that this little short period through the book of Psalms uh, will also encourage some of you all to open the book of Psalms and uh, see what the Lord has to offer you there in your own private devotional times. Now, before we dive into our psalm for this morning, Psalm 1, I think it's important for us to begin this mini-series with just a few notes about the book of Psalms. The Psalms are a collection of songs that originally served as the hymn book of Israel. And in its 150 chapters, we are given words that express the gumbo of all of our human emotions and experiences. We find in the book of Psalms words that express joy and grief, peace and anger, love and hate. We find words that both express trust and suspicion, confidence and doubt, blessings and curses, all from the heart of God's people. In this way, the Psalms are kind of like a mirror to our own souls, reflecting both the highest joys and the lowest, deepest, darkest sorrows of life. There may be no more immediately relatable book in the whole Bible than the book of Psalms. And standing here at the entrance of the book of Psalms is Psalm 1. And so because of its intentional placement, Psalm 1 serves two purposes. First, it's a song in its own right, as we'll see this morning. But it also serves as like an intro track to the Psalms LP. And like any good intro to an album, track one of the Psalter establishes the mindset and the heart and the attitude that we should have as we journey through the remaining 149 tracks. And what we find in track one is a wisdom song, a cut and dry, unnuanced declaration that there are two and only two paths in this life. There's the way of the righteous and the way 
of the wicked. Before granting us entrance into the complexities of the human experience that the Psalms will reflect, the psalmist wants to make sure that in the intro we understand that at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, there stands a fork in the road by which we can either choose the path of righteousness that leads to eternal life or the path of wickedness that leads to eternal damnation. You're either in right relationship with God or you're not. You're either blessed or you're cursed. And the lives of both the blessed and the cursed are described in Psalm 1 with a central focus on the righteous way of the blessed man. The the blessed man, the truly happy, satisfied, fruitful person. And the psalmist expects God's people to walk the way of the blessed man, to enter the complexity of the Psalms in his direction. So our question this morning is, what exactly is the way of the blessed man in Psalm 1? What are the major defining characteristics of his life? And what we find are two marks, two major marks that characterize the way of the blessed man. First, we see that the way of the blessed man is marked by rejection rejection of the world's lies. And secondly, we see that the way of the blessed man is marked by affection, affection for God through his word. Rejection and affection. First, let's look at how the blessed man's life is marked by rejection of the world's lies. Look with me at verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Now, the wicked, the wicked sinners and scoffers, as they're described, represent people or groups with sinful ideologies or philosophies or ideas and opinions. These are people or groups with words that either confuse or contradict or condemn God's word. And it says the blessed man rejects their words. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. He doesn't walk, stand, sit in their influence. Walk, stand, sit. You see the progression? Someone's walking along, and then they stop. They stand. And then eventually they sit. They become settled. They become entrenched. This may have happened to you after church. It happens to me a lot after church. I get up after worship. I'm heading that way. I don't usually get that way without being able to engage with someone in a conversation. So I'm walking. I stop. We start having a conversation. We stand. And it's not unusual that eventually I find myself sitting on one of these luxurious seats entrenched in a conversation with Someone walking to standing to sitting. The psalmist is intentionally portraying a person's gradual descent deeper and deeper into the lifestyle, attitude, and worldview of the wicked, sinners, and scoffers. And we see the same progression with the words counsel, way, and seat. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. 
Again, the image is someone walking along, and maybe at first they're just giving ear to the counsel or advice of the wicked. But eventually they begin to join themselves in the way or the lifestyle of sinners. And before they know it, they're sitting in the seat of scoffers. They're entrenched in their lifestyle. They've, they've fully adopted their attitudes. They've adopted their worldviews. They scoff with the scoffers. They, they begin mocking what is good, right, true, and godly. But the blessed man is one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So what does this mean for us? It means that as God's people, we have to always be mindful of where we're metaphorically walking, standing, or sitting. We have to remain vigilant, on guard to make sure we are not believing or adopting or putting into practice the godless lies of this world. Our our views of money, of love, of sexuality, of parenting, of education, of work, of gender, of food, of whatever, should never be based on the ungodly words or opinions or philosophies of the wicked sinners and scoffers. Now, we got to be careful. This is not a call for us to avoid necessarily the wicked sinners and scoffers. I mean, we just finished a sermon series on loving our neighbors, right? That includes the wicked sinners and scoffers. We are called, we learned in that sermon series that we just finished, we are called to be gracious and merciful, salt and light, redemptive agents in their lives. Psalm 1 is not telling us to forego this calling. But what it is telling us is that we better be vigilant, watchful, cautious, not to adopt the lifestyles and attitudes of the wicked sinners and scoffers. See, the psalmist recognizes the power of influence. I think that's important for us to realize because sometimes I think we give ourselves more credit than we should for being able to protect ourselves from ungodly influence, right? Most of us think that our minds and hearts are more impenetrable than what they really are. And I am so guilty, especially when it comes to my entertainment, right? I'm thinking, man, I can spend all day binging on whatever Netflix show I'm addicted to at the time. It's not really going to affect me. Yeah, I know it's rated MA, but that's just so I can make sure that I don't show it to my kids. Because, you know, children are impressionable. I'm not. I'm a grown man. Nobody's going to impress on me. I'm not going to be influenced. I'm the influencer. They better watch out for me. That's, we think those kind of crazy things sometimes, right? But y'all, we're more easily influenced than we think. And so we've got to be watchful. We've got to stay vigilant. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, the way of the blessed man is marked by total rejection of the world's lies. And we see also that the way of the blessed man is marked by a deep affection and affection for God through God's word. In other words, he not only defends his heart from the words of the world, but he also opens his heart 
to God's word. Look with me at verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. The blessed man delights. He finds gratification and pleasure in the law of the Lord. And here the psalmist wants you to see the law of the Lord standing in contrast to the counsel of the wicked in verse 1. Now, the Hebrew word here for the law of the Lord is the word Torah or Torah, which often in Scripture refers to those first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis through Deuteronomy. But here in the context, it's referring to all of Scripture, including the Psalms. You've got to remember that this is an introduction to the book of Psalms. The blessed man delights in all God's word. He delights in God's word on on the instructions that it provides. He delights in the promises of God found in his word. He delights in the story of the relentless pursuit of God to, to chase after his people, to love them, to care for them, to keep them. His delight is in the law of the Lord. But more fundamentally... He delights in God's word because in God's word, in God's instructions, in God's commandments, in all the stories of redemption, he's able to meet and commune and hear from and encounter God himself. The blessed man delights in God through God's word. And this deep delight compels him, it says, to constantly meditate on God's word. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law, it says, he meditates day and night. He meditates on it. He he takes God's word, and he turns it around in his mind. He reflects on it. He chews on it. He's consumed by it. It controls his life. It's all in his mind. It's it's all in his heart. It's it's all on his tongue. It's, It's all on his breath. He's got Bible breath, words and counsel that are saturated with the sweet aroma of divine revelation. His heart's delight is in the law of the Lord, and it says that he delights in this law Day and night. This is all day, every day, 24-7, 365, 366 in the leap year. He is swimming in God's word. The way of the blessed man is marked by deep affection for God's word, characterized by unceasing, delightful meditation on God's word. So, okay, I'm going to be honest. I'm personally not that excited about the obvious application here, which is on the most base level that we should be reading our Bibles a lot and often, probably a lot more than a lot of us do. Sometimes I hate it when people ask me questions about like, you know, I'm in seminary, so we got to, you know, We've got a lot of spiritual phrases we ask each other. We don't just say, how you doing? We say, how's your time been in the word, brother? Stuff like that. It's good. It's a good question, but I hate it because I often feel ashamed because I know how much I struggle in this area. But guess what? It's a right question to be asked. It's a good question for us to ask ourselves often. 
And not just whether we're actually cracking open our Bibles, but are we actually delighting in God himself through his word? I think that's one of the major reasons we struggle to stay consistent is that we just don't enjoy it as much as we enjoy so many other things. Our affections are so easily seduced to all kinds of stuff that it's nothing to squeeze out of our lives. Bible reading or being part of a Bible study or or going through some devotional material or regularly listening to sermons and meditating on them. It's it's so easy for us, y'all, to lose sight of just how critical meditation on God's word is for our spiritual health. God's word is for our souls what food is for our bodies. God's word is for our souls what food is for our bodies. And this means that we are spiritually anorexic and prone to binge on the lies of this world if meditating on God's word is not a constant rhythm of our lives. The blessed man knows this. And that's why he guards his affections from the lies of the world for God's word. And the result of this constant delightful meditation on God's word is, as we see in verse 3, a life of fruitfulness. Look at verse 3. It says, he, that's the blessed man who delights in God's word, is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. Now, this verse should be pretty familiar or sound kind of familiar, especially us here at Christ Central Church, because it comes from uh, one of our theme verses for the Roots campaign. It's almost the same exact phrasing from Jeremiah 8. And in the Jeremiah passage, as well as in our Psalm 1 passage, the blessed man is described as a tree planted by streams of water. Pastor Howard, a couple of months ago, did a great job on that passage, so I don't feel like I have to re-preach everything that this little picture means, but I do want us to recognize that, that he's planted, which means that he's rooted in the soil of God's word. He's established. He's able to stand against the lies of this world, and, and, it, and he says he's planted by streams of water. I think it's significant that they didn't just say a stream, but, but multiple streams, right? There's always another stream of grace. There's always another stream of mercy. He's got multiple streams of spiritual income. And being planted by these streams means that his branches swell with fruit. The Apostle Paul will say later in Galatians 5, that the fruit of a life connected to the stream of God's grace is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we're supposed to now have the picture that this blessed man's limbs are hanging heavy with this fruit. And it says that he grows this fruit in the right season. That means that when a season of hatefulness comes towards him, he sprouts the fruit of love. When disappointment comes, he's got joy. When drama rages in his life, he's got peace. When things take a while, he's got patience. When 
folks are nasty and rude to him, he's got kindness and goodness. When, when the walk gets tough, he's got faithfulness. When harsh words are spewed his way, he's got gentleness. And when the temptations of life begin to rain down on him, the blessed man sprouts the fruit of self-control. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Now, when it goes on in the rest of the verse to say that his leaf does not wither and all he does, he prospers. The psalmist is just reinforcing the main point that the blessed man with his rejection of the world's lies and his affection for God's word lives a totally satisfying, meaningful, purposeful, fruitful life. That's the way of the blessed man. But by stark contrast, in verse 4, the psalmist simply says, The wicked are not so, but they are like the chaff the wind drives away. He wants you to get this stark contrast between these two images, between the established thriving tree and the wicked that are chaff being blown by the wind. Now, chaff blowing in the wind, I don't know about you, but that's not an image I walk around thinking about a lot, right? But this would have been an image that would have been very familiar to the Israelites. In most villages, there was this flat surface area in the middle of the village called a threshing floor. And what would happen is that farmers would bring wheat and make a pile on the threshing floor. And with a pitchfork, they would throw the wheat in the air, throw it in the air. And what would happen is that the substantial grain would fall back down to the ground. But the husks to the wheat, the chaff, would float away with the wind. And the psalmist says the wicked are like that. They're light, useless, no substance, no root, no fruit, no real worth. Unlike the blessed man, who is like the tree planted, the wicked are like the chaff blown away by the wind. And the contrast in lives and destinies of the wicked and the blessed man continue at the very end of our passage, verses 5 through 6. Look there with me really quickly. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now, we don't have time to go through everything in these two verses, but the point is clear. The wicked won't survive God's final judgment, but the righteous, blessed man will. The way of the wicked is a dead end, literally a dead end, a perishing path that leads to destruction. And what's implied is that the way of the blessed man leads to eternal life. Why? Because it says in verse 6, it is known by the Lord. The Lord knows his way. Now, know means more than just cognitive awareness. It's relationship. It's care. It's security. I don't just know my little girl's names. I don't just know facts about my children, but I know them. They are known by me. There is an intimacy and intentional care and security that I provide 
for them. The way of the wicked will perish, but the way of the blessed man will not because the Lord knows it. The Lord knows him. So we've seen that the way of the blessed man is marked by rejection of the world's lies and an affection for God's word that leads to fruitfulness in this life and security in the final judgment. That's the way of the blessed man. That's the way of the righteous. And that is fundamentally not the way of the wicked. The wicked will perish. Brothers and sisters, look again at the end of the day. After we account for all of humanity's diversity, all of our differences, we're still left with two fundamental groups of humanity. The blessed and the cursed. There is no middle state. There is no middle ground. There's the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. There's the way of eternal life and the way of eternal damnation. There is a way that is known by God and a way that's not. And so here at the very entrance of the book of Psalms, the psalmist wants God's people to identify themselves with the blessed man, to identify themselves with the way of the righteous. But there's a huge problem. No one is perfectly righteous. The psalmist himself will say a few chapters later in chapter 14, no one is righteous. There is none who does good, not even one. He'll say again in Psalm 130 that if the Lord actually took tally of the sins of men, no one would stand in judgment. The Apostle Paul will say later in the New Testament, what? That all are sinners and fall short of the glory of God. And so left to ourselves, none of us would be on the way towards eternal life. We'd all be on our way down that dead end. But praise be to God that he did not leave us on that perishing path. Just like that tree, the one that's fruitful, it didn't plant itself by the stream. Neither does God leave it to us to place our cells on the path of life. Instead, God the Father sent his Son, Jesus Christ, to become a man, the perfect man, the blessed man to be the bridge by which a sinner can come off the path of destruction over to the path of the way of life. Jesus is the blessed man whose life was marked by total rejection of the lies and temptations of this world. He was sinless. Jesus is the blessed man whose life is not only marked by affection for God's word, but Jesus was God's word made manifest. And this Jesus, this blessed man, laid down his blessed life to accept the eternal judgment and punishment that wicked sinners and scoffers deserved. Wicked sinners and scoffers like you and like me. 
The prophet Isaiah says that Christ was wounded for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. Paul said God made Christ who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God through him. We were all, every last one of us, on the path, the path of doom, the path of destruction. But God in his infinite mercy and grace, while we were yet sinners, sent Christ to die. For us, And this is why Jesus says in the Gospel of John, I and I alone am the way and the truth and the life. And that there is no power of rejection of sin, no ability to actually have affection for God, to be in relationship with God. There is no fruitfulness, no forgiveness of sin, no standing in judgment unless you come through me. If you are a believer this morning, If you are united with the blessed man, Jesus Christ, by faith, be encouraged. You are on the known path. God, through Christ, has placed you on it. And he will lead you on it. You are a tree planted by the streams of Christ's mercy. And grace, you will bear good fruit. And because the blessed man has already taken your eternal punishment and given you his righteousness, you will stand in the final judgment. Blessed is the man united by faith to the blessed man, our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ.